having your Bibles this evening. I hope you turn with me to the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 11 this evening. Book of Hebrews chapter number 11. Once again, we appreciate the opportunity of being here and spending a few days with you. And uh, what a blessing it's been to be in the house of God each night of the week so far. I have had a lot of folks, I say, well, Brother Aguiar, I just don't know if I could take it every night. Have you ever considered what we're going to be doing when we get to heaven? A lot of, in fact, I preach a message every now and then and bring out a lot of points. Are you sure you want to go to heaven? They don't get out at 12 o'clock noon. Uh, they don't listen to some music that some folks listen to. They don't dress the way some folks dress. You know, just a thought, but I'm not preaching that tonight. But uh, good to be in the house of God. Appreciate the good meal we've had this evening. Y'all have been so good once again in feeding us and taking care of us. And uh, we just want to express our gratitude. And uh, many of you have went ahead and sacrificed your time and uh, your talents in cooking. Oh, thank you so much. Y'all have been such a help. In fact, you've increased our ministry. You really have in feeding us. And uh, we just want to say thank you for all that you've done for us on our behalf. We do have some prayer cards in the front, and we hope you will grab one. Pray for the Aguiar family as we minister and help small struggling churches. One of the desires we have, if we could get churches to pray You'll be surprised what prayer will do. Prayer, I believe, moves the hands of God. I'm serious. I believe God does great things due to prayer. You can find in the Scriptures how God went ahead and did some miraculous things because somebody prayed. And uh, so we desire your prayers. One of the churches we had the opportunity of going to was over in the state of Arkansas. As many of you know, we help small struggling churches going in, working anywhere from two to eight weeks at a time, door knocking, soul winning, but we also engage in many other different projects, sometimes a building project, uh, sometimes we're involved in soul winning crusades, uh, many different things, tent meetings, but uh, the Fountain Lake Baptist Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas, uh, asked us to come and give them a hand on some different things involving the church. When we got there, one of our former presidents used to come from that town, and uh, so as we got there, we began to look around and uh, began to work with the church. We found the town to be a gangster town. Uh, there was a lot of strip joints and a lot of bars and many things that the world would hold as attraction. Christians find it not attractive, but uh, those things was there. And we began to work with this church. And as I walked in and talked to the pastor, he said, Brother Aguiar, we've asked you to come. We need some help in two different areas. I said, well, what, what are the areas you need some help in? He says, well, we like to get some door knocking done. And I believe in the old principles. I, I have to admit, I believe that we can get folks saved according to the Word of God. We don't have to go ahead and throw the gimmicks out and all the promotions. I believe there's some folks that really will come to hear the Word of God just because the Word of God is being preached. I still believe that. And uh, so here it is. He asked if we would go ahead and do some door knocking. And I said, we'll be glad to. put up. I said, we'll put up a sign-up list and ask folks to donate some time, maybe an hour, hour and 15 minutes of their time. But he said, we also have a building. And we need to increase our fellowship hall and um, a few other uh, different odds and ends. I asked them what size was uh, addition, and it was a 30 by 40 addition that was added on. And uh, he said, is there any way you think we might be able to get some of these different things done? I said, well, we're here for about 22 days. Let's see what we can get done. And so morning times, 
we would begin to work on the building. It's easier to find folks home in the afternoons and evenings than it is in the mornings. So morning times was mostly dedicated to working on the building. And we start putting up the walls and the rafters and all the different odds and ends. And uh, during the uh, evening time, late afternoons and evening, we went out door knocking. Now, we only had 22 days total. And due to the building, we wasn't able to door knock many doors. If I'm not mistaken, there were 750 doors that was door knocked in 22 days. And uh, we gave out the Word of God. We built on the building. And uh, next day, same schedule. And we kept that schedule for all the days except for Sunday and Wednesday night when they had their midweek prayer service. But uh, uh, other than that, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we was on the building and door knocking and on the building and door knocking. We just kept that. Well, at the end of 22 days, after it was all said and done, a small church, they probably only ran maybe 20, 25 folks. We, got, we was able to see 13 first-time visitors in the church. Now, that's pretty good for a crowd of 20-some people. You might say, well, Brother Aguilar, that's not many visitors, 13 visitors. Well, if you, had a, if you could just multiply that a little bit, if you had 100, that would mean there would be somewhere around 50 visitors. So I thought that was pretty good as far as the percentage was concerned, 13 first-time visitors. But the blessing was after the morning service was preached, I preached on six books that God will open on the Day of Judgment, gave the invitation, and we saw eight of those visitors come to know Christ as Savior. There were seven folks that went ahead and submitted to believers' baptism. There was also a person that went ahead, or a family that joined the church, and had two teenagers and started tithing immediately. And uh, then we also seen that the building was completely finished. Our desire is just trying to help small, struggling churches in America. I wish I could take you to some of the places where I sit in a pastor's office and literally see a preacher weep at how the church is going, how he used to run 300 people and now he's down to 50, how a church over in Milwaukee ran 1,200 and within one Sunday they dropped from 1,200 to 100 people. I wish I could take you to some of the places and show you how there's many churches that preaches the Word of God. And I'll say this, you preach the truth of the Word of God and sometimes people do not like it. And I've come to find out you give the truth, and I'm, I'm, I'm being truthful with you. Some people do not want to hear the truth of the Word of God. And so these churches, it seems like that's preaching the truth. Many folks are beginning to leave, but I'm thankful that God still has a remnant of folks that want to live right. I'm thankful He still has some folks they want to dress right and, and do the things of the, of the Lord, and, and we rejoice with how God blessed. But we do desire your prayers as we work and help small, struggling churches. We had a church one time in the state of Massachusetts when we went up there. I was uh, scheduled to be there four weeks. We ended up staying eight weeks. The pastor had a cardiac arrest on the second day that we was there, not because because we went there, but he had a cardiac arrest. And all the problems, the trials that they were going through, the Lord blessed, he was able to live through it. But all the trials, sometimes you never know what's going on until it actually takes place. Sometimes we walk into situations and we're trying to figure out, Lord, what are you trying to work in our lives while we're working here in this church? What do you want us to do to help this church? And, and sometimes it's one or two weeks before the Lord begins to show how we can really be a help and a blessing to churches. So we desire your prayers as we work and need wisdom helping small, struggling churches in America. Well, the book of Hebrews is where I'm drawing your attention tonight. The book of Hebrews chapter number 11. The very first time I preached this message was at our home church. 
And I'm thankful for a home church that does not compromise with the truth of the Word of God. I'm thankful for a church that will stand on the principles of the Word of God and let the chips fall where they may, but still preach the Word of God. I'll say tonight, if America needs something, it needs some good old-fashioned hellfire and brimstone preaching. We have been living in an age where everything is love, love, love. Yes, I will admit, God is a God of love. But I encourage you to search the Scriptures. A very familiar verse of Scripture of John chapter 3 and verse 16. The Bible says, For God so loved the world. The word loved is used in a past tense. God loved the world so much that He did provide eternal life. He provided a way of escape. But I say tonight that God is angry with the wicked every day. And not only is God a God of love, but He's also a God of judgment. He's also a God that demands holiness in your life and in my life had the opportunity of preaching this message in a few other churches as I preached it in one church. Had some people really get upset, walked out. It didn't bother me because people walk out every now and then. I remember when I pastored in Germany, as soon as I got ready to preach, some women would take off and go to the nursery. You know, we take care of problems after a while, just lock the nursery and close it up. But anyway, we're thankful for the grace of God. It's good to have good old-fashioned preaching. I'm saying that just to get you ready tonight for the preaching of the message of the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 11, if you'll stand with me, we'll read just a portion of the Word of God and then get into the message this evening. Hebrews chapter number 11, you've been such a good folk to listen. You've been so attentive and I appreciate your attentiveness as you've listened to the message of the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1, very familiar passage of Scripture. The Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, And by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessings over the message. Father, tonight... We admit that we need you in our services tonight. Father, as we've traveled many miles, we've been in many different places across America. Lord, I notice one of the greatest problems, one of the greatest tragedies, and it seems like the spot the devil's trying to hit the most is on the home. And Lord, tonight as we address this thought of the home and as we begin to preach a little bit about the home, God, I pray tonight that thy will might be done. Lord, tonight you know the needs, you know the desires, and I pray tonight the Holy Ghost of God 
might have preeminence in the service. May thy will be done in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. (coughs) Hebrews chapter number 11 is a very interesting passage of Scripture. It's known as the Hall of Faith. Could I say faith is a very important part of a Christian's life? You cannot, and I repeat, you cannot get saved without faith. A lot of folks say, well, I was born a Christian, I beg differently. You was born lost and hell-bound in need of a Savior without faith. You cannot. Please, God, could I address an issue tonight? Could I mention an issue tonight? There's an issue going on in America, and I hate to say it's even in our independent Baptist churches, where they teach that those in the Old Testament was saved by a mixture of works and of faith. Could I address that and say without faith it's impossible to please God? Those in the Old Testament were saved the way that you and I are saved, by grace, through faith, that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I will say that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The way God looks at sin in the Old Testament is the same way He looks at sin in the New Testament. I began to notice how important faith is. Through faith, in verse number 3, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. I do not believe in evolution. I do not believe that we evolved. I do not believe that we are evolving. I believe that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And I will say this, it takes a greater fool to believe evolution than to believe creation. Here, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. And, but if you notice with me, I want to take verse number 7 and preach tonight on this thought, building an ark to save the house. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. I'll take back anything I've ever said wrong about you. You're all right after all. Notice with me in verse number 7, the Bible says by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. It's interesting to know, I want to preach on this subject, building an ark to save the house. I have to admit tonight, we have churches tonight dissolving and going down. We have churches tonight that's beginning to drop off. I saw churches, and here it is, they used to run a few hundred uh, in their services, and now they're down to a hundred, now they're down to fifty, now they're down to twenty-five. And I asked the question, why is it? And I'll say this, if the devil can ruin the home, he has the church. Our church is made up of families. Our church is made up of fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Our church is made up of children. And tonight I want you to know the devil is doing all he can to go ahead and wreck and to ruin the home. I'll say this tonight. Your home does not have to be a havoc. Your home should be a haven. Your home does not have to be a place of pressure, but it should be a place of peace. Your home tonight should not be a place of turmoil. Oh, but it should be a place of teamwork tonight. And I have to admit, the devil is doing all he can to ruin the homes in America. 
I begin to think, and as I think on this thought, if you was to travel over in your beloved state to the state of Texas, travel up to the uh, city of Dallas, if we was to go through one of the high schools there in the place of Dallas and go in that high school, go through some of the classrooms, go through the hallways, we would find there might be the uh, typing class, there might be the science class, there might be the English class, all the different ones. But if you went down the right hall and looked on the door, you'll find one of the doors will say this, nursery. I'm talking about in a high school now. And there, as we look at that high school, there's 15 nursery beds found in that high school. Here it is, and I begin to think for just a moment, 80% of all teenagers that are pregnant are not married. You say, Brother Aguilar, that doesn't mean anything. That means a lot tonight. I began to think for just a moment, there's five out of every nine marriages tonight that ends in a divorce. Tonight, if nine nine couples got married before two years is up, if nine couples got married, five of them be divorced within two years. That's a problem tonight. I began to think within one week, we've been here since Friday. We pulled in on Friday. Do you realize with me, by the end of Thursday night, there'll be 22,000 young people that got upset with mom and dad, got upset with the home life, and they went ahead and looked at New York, looked at Los Angeles, wherever it might have been. 22,000 young people ran away from home this week. I begin to think for just a moment, two babies every minute are literally being murdered every minute. Two babies are being murdered in abortion. I begin to think for just a moment, there's 1,200 new, they call them alcoholics, God calls them drunkards. There's 1,200 drunkards being born, you might say, every day in America. Hey, I'm just trying to say, we got some problems with the home tonight in America. I begin to think for just a moment, as the Apostle Paul was addressing the Corinth church, I would hate to have a church named Corinth Baptist Church. They had some problems. Could I say we got problems in America because folks are doing what Corinth was doing. But Paul was addressing that church. Later on, you find out that he had a problem. I believe it was with his eyes. It's a, it's a, from what I can study, you might disagree. That won't bother me. But he had a problem with his eyes. The church of Galatia really loved the Apostle Paul. And here the church of Galatia would have literally given their eyes, the Bible says in Galatians 4 and verse 15, for the Apostle Paul. But Paul said something in Galatians 4 and verse 16. He said, am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? I begin to think for just a moment as I preach this message. Some of y'all have been so sweet and so good to us. But I hope I won't become your enemy if I give you the truth of the Word of God. If there's ever been an issue that folks don't want to hear about, it's the issue on the home. Could I just quote a few verses and read just a few verses? Perhaps as Ephesians 6 and verse 4 says, uh, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. There in Proverbs 22 and verse 6, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, Deuteronomy 11, verse 18 and 19, Thou shalt lay these words up in your heart and in your soul, 
and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be frontlets between your eyes and thou shalt teach them your children speaking when thou sittest in thy house when thou walkest by the way when thou liest down and when thou risest up. The book of Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 15 the Bible says the rod and reproof giveth wisdom but a child left to himself bringeth his mother's shame. I want you to know there, God has a lot of things to say about children, about the home, about the married life. And could I say, I, I, I heard one person say, oh, this little baby is so cute. Oh, what a blessing. If it only came with instructions, could I say it came with instructions? You had the instructions from the Word of God, but many folks will not heed what the Bible has to say about the home. It bothers me that people will go to Judge Wapner and Dr. Spot and try to get the advice. And could I say, if you go to the world, you'll get worldly advice and your children will turn out worldly. You want your children to turn out godly. You want your children to do something for the glory of God. You need to go ahead and get into the book of God, the manual of God, and find out what does the Lord say about that home. But it is interesting, the story and what we're looking at is here Noah himself. By faith, Noah being warned of God. I begin to think Noah lived in a horrible time. He lived in a time when they, as the Bible mentioned, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Could I say tonight, go down any street here in Colleen, Texas. What will you find? Could I say you'll find an eating joint almost within a rock's throw of each other. Could I say tonight, there's more food being consumed in America than probably any other country in the world. We're living in a land that's filled with eating. You go around and look a little bit, and you'll find bars all up and down the roads. Hey, it bothers me tonight. Hey, listen, whatever happened to the Christians standing up and saying that stuff is wrong? We don't need it in our town. We don't want it anymore. We need to get that junk out. Hey, listen, there's some cities still in America that went ahead and protested, and they're still dry completely. But what it is, there's so much money in it that folks don't want to give it up. They were eating and drinking. The Bible mentions they were marrying and giving in marriage. That's what the Bible says. Oh, you look today at how many people are divorcing and remarrying. How many folks are living together. Oh, we, we go up to a door, knock on a door, and here's somebody. We invite them to church, and then we say, well, if you're married, why don't you bring your, your wife or your, or your husband? Oh, we're not married. Uh, you know, this is just my, uh, just my uh, friend, my boyfriend or girlfriend. Could I say something tonight? That's wicked and wrong. And you're destroying your own life. You're destroying the home life by doing that. And here they were marrying and giving in marriage. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. But these were the days of Noah. Their conduct, they could care less about anybody. All they wanted to do was make their living. I begin to think about America tonight. You look at all the advertisements, all the garbage... And you'll find out, be your own boss. You'll find out, get the quick loan. Here in this town, you can find a loan place in a rock's throw almost anywhere. The only thing they're concerned about is here making their money. The days of Noah. I also notice the character of the world here. Their only desire, they could care less if they lied to you as long as they could do what they wanted to do with the money they wanted to do it. Could I give you an example of this? There was a man, and when I mentioned this, some of you might get upset, but it won't be the first time I'm sure you got, you got upset. There's a man today. He's now dead, but he went ahead and he had a desire to make money. 
And at the price of our children, he went ahead and began to make money. He was the first one to bring the adult studio into the homes across America. His name was Walt Disney. And as Mr. Walt Disney went ahead, you say, Brother Aguiar, there's nothing wrong. Hey, who ever heard of an elephant flying by his ears? I want you to know that's wrong. That's not right. That's not godly. Who ever heard of a person where that their nose begins to grow? I want you to know that's wrong. That's not godly. You look at Alice in Wonderland. You look at Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. You look at the fairies and the witch. Hey, I want you to know that's nothing for a Christian. And it's amazing that he was the first one to go ahead, bring the adult studio right into the homes, being piped in in a sewage system that came out by, by television, piped right in. He's the biggest supporter. You look at it, Walt Disney's the biggest supporter for homosexuality. And we've piped it in tonight. He, has, he doesn't have a regard for your children. He could care less as long as the money came in. I began to do some study on Walt Disney. I wanted to make sure of my facts. Do you realize with me, he's also one of the, Walt Disney, the company, is the greatest supporter in pornography. Now think with me for just a moment. Next time you go buy something that uh, comes from Walt Disney, think about that. You're helping to support that homosexuality crowd. You're helping to support that pornography crowd. You're helping to support the profanity, the blasphemy. Oh, Brother Aguiar, they're just showing simple um, films or simple movies. It's not that bad. Hey, listen, Pocahontas doesn't have enough clothes on to even be considered godly. Oh, I know we've went ahead and we've changed it around. Brother Aguiar, we just watch real good things for the kids. You know, the Bible says, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live, but you allow your children to watch Sabrina, the teenage witch. I want you to know it's ungodly. It's a shame to say it, but many of the children in our churches in America know more of Casper the Friendly Ghost than they do of God the Holy Ghost. And yet we're wondering, Lord, what's happening to our home? What's going on? I remember when I was a young boy, some of y'all can date back to this time, where here it is on Saturday, it would come on. And I didn't know any better. I was lost and undone. I, I, we didn't have any type of godliness really in our home. And here it is, we would sit in front of that boob too. We would begin to watch. Hey, I watch Superman. Do you realize with me, they made Superman like unto God? He can break the law of gravity. He's, he's stronger than anything. Oh, and I begin to think how they made him like unto God. I remember watching an Aquaman. You know what they called him? The master of the sea. Now wait a minute. I trusted a person that's known as the master of the sea. But it's amazing how the devil will throw a counterfeit at us. And boy, we jumped on it hook, line, and sinker. You know, I was reading in the, in the 101st Psalm where the Bible says this, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. David said it doesn't matter what it is. If it's wicked, it should not come before my eyes. I will not put that thing that's wicked before my eyes, whether it's in a book form, whether it's in a magazine form, whether it's on a television, whether it's on a VCR. I'm not going to put Put what's wicked before my eyes. You say, Brother Aguirre, what if I do? Would you turn very quickly with me? You'll have to do it quickly. The book of Deuteronomy chapter number 7. I'm hoping I'm not becoming your enemy tonight because I tell you the truth. I just want to share with you some... Just some th I'll get to the message. In, I just want to share with you just some quick things tonight. 
The book of Deuteronomy chapter number 7. What's going to happen, Brother Aguirre, if I do that? What will happen if I bring an abomination like unto that into my house? Notice chapter 7, verse 26. The Bible says, Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thy house, lest thou be a cursed thing like it. But thou shalt utterly detest it. Thou shalt utterly abhor it. For it's an accursed thing. Isn't it amazing? God said, If you bring what's accursed into your house, you'll become just like it. Have you ever wondered why there's so much divorce? It's because there in the afternoon so many folks are going ahead and they're watching a soap opera and they're watching the fornication, the adultery taking place. They're watching the hands being touched in different parts of the body. And here it is, they begin to get that same desire. And when you bring it in your house, you'll become just like it. That little boy that you love so well You want them to turn out so well for the glory of God, but yet on that television he sees nothing but the alcohol advertisement. What do you think he's going to do later on in his life? You see that man going ahead and riding on that horse, and there it is, he's smoking that cigarette. Hey, listen, I want you to know a child looks at things different from an adult. And he's not looking at how cancer, all that defiling the body of Christ, going ahead and bringing... Shame on the body of Christ. He's not looking at that. He's looking at the horse. And boy, he see if you go ahead and smoke, you'll have a nice horse. If you go ahead and curse, oh, you say, well, Brother Aguiar, we get up and cut it off when the curse words come up. You must have a track ran to your television. I'm just beginning to notice here, America has become just like what it has in its house. Hey, listen, you want some godly children? Put something godly there in the, in the house. You want something... That's going to be pleasing to the Lord. Go ahead and put something godly. I'm, I'm saying here, thou shalt not bring an abomination into thy house, lest thou be a cursed thing like it. I begin to think for just a moment, when a child turns the age of 16, he's seen 18,000 people murdered on television. I wonder why boys will go ahead and girls will go ahead and take a gun and just de- uh, gun down their fellow classmates in a school. Could it be because they saw it on television? Have you ever wondered how in his entire lifetime he saw 50,000 people murdered on television? I'm just beginning to think and I'm beginning to see some. I I begin to look into some different studies on on these particular issues. Do you realize with me the one called He-Man within a 21-minute program, there's 37 violent acts. And listen, we have a bunch of kids in some of our churches across America. They cannot behave. You say, why? Because they're acting like what they see on television. Do you realize with me Dungeons and Dragons within 21 minutes has 67 violent acts? Do you realize with me G.I. Joe has 80 violent acts? There Voltron, 84 violent acts. Captain Powers, 124 violent acts. And all this within 21 minutes. And boy, I had a person one time say, say, Brother Aguiar, what are we going to do with our kids? We just can't get them to behave. They're acting like a bunch of monkeys. They're acting like a bunch of animals. What can we do? And I say, well, what more can you expect when that's what you put into their minds? And I'll say this, that which goes into the ears and the eyes will one day come out from the heart. I begin to think for just a moment. There was the soap operas, as I mentioned, person did a study on it, and as they went ahead and counted, I would not watch the garbage. The Lord's been so good to us. Ever since we got married, I made it a point that we would not have a television in our home. Seventeen years have gone by. We still don't have a television in our home. 
we go to churches. And these boys come up, they talk to my son. He doesn't have the foggiest idea of this garbage. Oh, well, Brother Aguiar, we only watch Christian things. I had a person one time say, well, Brother Aguiar, what, we, we watch Little House on the Prairie. Listen, it's still wrong for him to smoke. You okay that? That means you tell your son it's all right to smoke. It's okay to have long hair on the men. Anybody with me tonight? But the soap operas, I was doing a study within one hour of soap operas. You'll find there's 24.5 acts of touching that should never take place. The Bible said it's good for a man not to touch a woman. But yet we'll watch that and then we'll wonder, and pretty soon our hands have been doing things that they ought not. Within one hour, there's 6.2 acts of, of sexual pra practices. I'm just trying to say it's wicked, it's ungodly. People say, well, Brother Aguiar, you're narrow-minded. Hey, listen, all I'm trying to do is build an ark that I might be able to save my house. I'm just trying to build an ark that my house might be able to be saved, that my children might be able to go ahead and live a life pleasing to God. Why should they have to go through life thinking about all this garbage that has went through the mind? Why don't we build an ark and save our house? I begin to think for just a moment, in many of our toy boxes across America, as I was doing some studying, one of the issues came up, and the issues of Smurfs. Have you ever wondered about these things? You know, many folks look at them, it's so innocent. Do you realize with me, the Smurfs, they seem so cute, they seem so innocent. But yet, I begin to think for just a moment how it's filled with the occult, and no matter what the situation is, Papa Smurf can always come up with a spell to get you out of the problem. Have you ever went ahead and considered the Smurfs? It's an all-male community. You say, that's not true. There's a female Smurf. You're right. When Papa Smurf went ahead and cast a spell, and he became a she. And we wonder why homosexuality is going through our country the way it is. I begin to think for just a moment, and some of you might get upset over this. It would be all right. But I start to think as Intel went ahead and brought forth a, a, a product, and many of our Americans jumped on it, hook, line, and sinker. It's called the Barbie doll. You say, Brother Aguiar, it's nothing wrong. Do you realize with me that it gives the person the perfect figure, the perfect boyfriend, the per perfect clothes, the perfect uh, car, the perfect horse, and the Bible says favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. And in the minds of our children, we went ahead and said if you had the hourglass figure, if you had the perfect boyfriend, the perfect girl, you're something great. Hey, I wanted you to know something, you've lied to your children. What God is looking for is not so much the outward appearance. Don't get me wrong. I think we ought to look our best. I think we ought to do our best. But God's looking at the heart that you and I have. I begin to think for just a moment as power lords claim to have equal power with God. As I was reading and doing some study, and they came up with what's called the garbage pail kids. They're trading cards. And as these trading cards are passed around, some of them have uh, uh, pictures of little babies that have been decapitated, smoking cigarettes, going ahead and the legs cut off, scattered around. And those are passed around our five- and six-year-old children. God help us tonight. 
I'm just trying to say tonight it's time that we have been warned. Like unto uh, Noah. God said, Noah, there's going to be some things coming upon you on this earth. You have not even seen anything like it. And what you need to do, you need to prepare an ark that you might be able to save your house. I'm saying tonight, church, we need to prepare an ark. Things are coming. Things are going to be hit in America. Things are going to be coming around. And we need to go ahead and have a haven for our families tonight. I begin to think for just a moment in our Scriptures, if you realize in chapter 11 and verse 7 of the book of Hebrews, Noah prepared an ark. Would you turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter number 6? I begin to look tonight at this thought of preparing an ark. What was the ark like? Have you ever wondered about some of the different things about this ark? I began to read a little bit about it, and as I said tonight, our home should be a place of haven. Oh, it should be a place our children love to come to, not get away from. It should be a place when after a long day, here it is, the husband's gone to work and he comes home. It should be a place he loves to come to, not get away from. It should be a place that the wife loves to be around and loves to be in. It shouldn't be a place she can't wait to go ahead and get away from. It should be a haven for the home. I begin to think for just a moment it also should be a place of peace. You'll be amazed at many of the divorces across America and the reason for the divorce. I was talking to a person, and I won't call his name. He is not in this state at all, but as I was talking to this person, he was divorced. And I asked him very plainly, I said, what was the reason of the divorce? And it was even on the paperwork, the reason of the divorce, because somebody chewed gum and it was too loud. We look at that and laugh, but do you realize with me how awful that is in the sight of God? Do you realize your home should be a place of peace, not a place of pressure? Your home, it should be a place where you work together as a team, not a place of turmoil. Do you realize with me that husband, that wife, God went ahead and gave you, He gave it so that you'll become 18. You'll become one. Hey, we're not fighting each other. We need to go ahead and join together and fight against sin, self, and Satan. We need to go in and join in in teamwork, not turmoil. God instructed Noah, I want you to prepare an ark. Notice in chapter 6 and verse 14, He told Noah, make thee an, uh, an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. He gives, uh, he, he makes mention of the fashion, this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make in the ark, and a cubic shalt thou finish it above, and a door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower, second, and third story shalt thou make it. Here he's given some different thoughts of the ark, but it's interesting, he mentioned gopher wood. Have you ever studied about gopher wood? It's very interesting. Gopher wood is known for its durability. Could I say this tonight? Mama, Daddy, you want to go ahead and uh, live a life and, and make sure your children turn out for the glory of God? Then have something that's durable. We got so many preach, uh, uh, people, they come to church, they listen to a preacher, and here it is, they join, and then after three months, they go ahead and hop to another church. And then they get upset and they hop to another church. And then they get upset and they hop to another church. And, and you know what? To be honest, they're going to keep hopping until they find a perfect church. And if they join it, they're going to mess it up. You know, here, gopher wood was known for some durability. Hey, listen, how durable are you? 
How durable is your home? Hey, listen, is it durable enough that the convictions will stand no matter what? It bothers me when family comes over that there's no longer prayer around the table. We have a family reunion. That means church is canceled. Hey, how durable is your home? I want you to know that little boy, that little girl, they see it when grandma and grandpa comes uh, to visit and now we don't uh, pray anymore. They see it when mama and daddy misses church because a grandma, a grandpa, an aunt, an uncle, a brother, sister, son, daughter comes to church, uh, comes to the town and now church has been canceled. And I want you to know here, they're going to look at you and say they're hypocritical. It's not durable. Convictions. Or when the preacher comes over, you hide certain things. Oh, the preacher might not have seen it, but little Johnny and little Sally did. And I want you to know, as mom and dad does, so will the children do. I begin to think about gopher were durable. I begin to think about how it will last through the storms. Could I ask you, couples, how long will your marriage last? It bothers me that the least little thing will get us to go ahead and separate and then divorce that bothers me you see if you're going to build an ark to save your house if you're going to go ahead and make it possible where little johnny little sally can go ahead and do the work of god to go ahead and live a life pleasing to god you're going to have to have some durability i begin to think also that it has a great resistance i believe it's very important that you and i resist the things of the world the Bible mentions in Ephesians chapter 6 that having done all to stand. Do you realize it's going to take something if you're going to stand in this world? This world does not like it. I want you to know, those of you that are homeschooling, the world does not like it. And they're going to get upset over that. You say, Brother Aguiar, do you think I ought to teach them? Well, according to the Word of God, the Bible says you should. When thou walkest in the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up, could I say it's, your, it's the responsibility of the parents to make sure the children are properly educated. We've given it to the world, and that's why so many people are so wrong in doctrine because the world has trained our children. That's why we have all the safe odds and ends for teenagers when they get older. And we wonder, why did they turn up pregnant? Why did this take place? Why, why is that an 18-year-old boy now having to pay child support? Here it is, because mama and daddy didn't go ahead and follow the biblical principles. I also began to notice that it was known for a straight pattern in growing gopher wood. It wasn't straight and then turned and then came back up. But it was known for a straight pattern. I wonder tonight if we was to look at your life, is it a straight pattern? Or is there turns and, and problems in the way? Here, I begin. I just begin to note, if you also notice chapter number 6, and there in verse number 14, he mentioned that thou shalt pitch it within and without. I looked up a little bit about this pitch, and from what I could tell and what I could find out, it showed that uh, that pitch, as he would put it, he put it on the inside and he put it on the outside. That pitch was fire-resistant. Could I ask you something? What you're doing right now, will it withstand in the day of fire? Do you realize with me, every one of your works will be one day brought up before the Lord Jesus. You say, Brother Aguiar, I'm saved. I don't have to worry about my sin. That's true, you don't. But your works, you're going to have to give an account of. And when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, hear all those works, what you've done in your family, will it withstand in the day of fire? I notice different ones. They'll go ahead and they'll talk about how wrong it is. 
to go ahead and go to that football game, but they'll turn it on as soon as they get home from church on Sunday afternoon. I've seen different ones. They'll go ahead and stand up and say how wrong it is for girls to be in miniskirts and how wrong it is to dance, but they'll allow their children to be a cheerleader. Have you ever wondered, will it stand in the day of fire? I begin to think for just a moment about some different things that we've done in our lives. Will it withstand in the days of fire? It's interesting. God said, no, you're going to have to prepare an ark. Pitch it within. It also repels the worms. It keeps the worms from coming in. That pitched it. It bonds together. And boy, it becomes watertight to where nothing, that water cannot get through. Oh, it seals it up completely. Hey, listen, why does your children have to see and go through some of the things in this world? Why don't you build an ark and save the house? But we've went ahead and we, well, it won't hurt. They're getting older now. And then we allow them to have a little bit of freedom. We allow them to go into the places they want. Here it is. They go anywhere they want. They can go see anybody they want. They can be around anybody that they want. And here now problems have come up. Why? You did not pitch it within and without. Oh, well, Brother Aguiar you'll end up making your children hermits. I don't think so. If I could go ahead and make it possible where my children can walk down an aisle in marriage being holy and white, it would be worth it all. If I could go ahead and maybe pitch a little bit more to where when they get ready to have the call of God, to where God wants them to do something, they won't think of some television program, but they'll think of the will of God. It would be worth it. I'm just trying to say tonight, prepare an ark to save the house. It's interesting a window was there that they would look up. And it's interesting you and I should look unto Jesus. But notice with me, back in Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 7, it says that He prepared an ark for the saving of His house by which He condemned the world. We're living in a time when Christians no longer want to stand up for what's right. I'm tired of sitting down now for all these things that's going on. You walk into a mall, you can now see it. And boy, when, when our children were small, I, it didn't bother me at all. We would go walking and here would be a person by the name of Santa Claus. You say, oh, Brother Aguiar, don't say anything bad about it. I didn't have to. My children did. It didn't bother me when they said that's wicked. It didn't bother me when they said it, was, said it real loud to where everybody could hear it. Oh, Brother Aguiar, that's being fanatical. He condemned the world. Oh, well, Brother Aguiar, you just got to understand the children. It, it's fun for the children. Yeah, you lied to them. You told them that he's the one that gives gifts. You told them he's the one that knows when you're naughty and nice. You told them he's the one that's keeping the record. You told them he's the one that breaks the law of gravity. You know what's going to happen? They're going to find out sooner or later that you lied to them. And then you tell them about Jesus. You know what they're going to say? They're lying about him too. He condemned the world. I looked at the word condemn. It means to express with strong disapproval. I'm tired of these weak Christians. Well, I just don't want to get in the way. I'm going to go ahead and just be a good little boy, a good little girl, and I'm not going to get it. Hey, you need to express it with a strong disapproval. We was going through a, a, in, in a, a grocery store, and here it is. We got to the cash register, and the cashier saw one of our children. Oh, well, what is Santa Claus bringing to you? I said, ma'am, that's wicked and of the devil. 
You say you're being mean. No, I express strong disapproval for the things of this world. I condemn the worldly teachings. I begin to think that word also means to find fault with. Could I say I found fault with this world? I'm, I'm honest. I find fault with this public school system. Oh, I was reading how they went in there and just went ahead and began to gun down fellow students. I'm not talking about one or two. I'm talking about 10, 15, 20 folks were killed because here it is, some boy went in, took his guns and began to fire them down. You know, if we went ahead and went back to Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 where the woman was supposed to be a keeper at home and if she was back in the home teaching her children, we would never have that problem. But the Bible says that a child that's left to himself brings his mother shame. You see, what happened many years ago, Mama and Daddy got together and they said, it would be nice to have a new washing machine. It would be nice to have another car. It would be nice to have new carpet. And they said, well, looking at the finances, I just can't do it, honey. There's no way. And so Mama jumped into Daddy's clothes and she went out to the workforce and she began to go ahead and make a living. And little Johnny and little Sally was left alone. And I want you to know, sure as sure can be, they'll bring their mother and their father nothing. Nothing but shame. You wonder why there's so many teenagers getting pregnant because mama's not found back at the house. Yes, I find fault with this world. We've taken our children, we've put them in the daycare of this world. They've learned every curse word there is. Because mama's working a job. You might as well say amen. You know it's right. You look at Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. I encourage you to search the Scriptures. You'll find a woman is to be the keeper at home. You say, Brother Aguirre, I don't agree with you. One day the police is going to knock on your door. Is so-and-so your son? Yes. He's down at the police station. We picked him up. And you could name probably any charge, and it would probably be right. One day, young lady's going to come up that you love so well. She was so cute when she was small, but now she's a teenager. She's going to mention, Mama, I'm pregnant. No daddy around whatsoever. And you thought that career was worth it? For your daughter, your son, to be scarred for the rest of their life? Brother Aguiar, you're fanatical. No, I condemn this world. We've got a thing going on in our Baptist churches. I, I hope you don't get upset with me over this, but when we go to a church, we do not allow our kids to go to any Sunday school classes. I just keep them with us because it seems, well, ours is pretty old, and we got, or older than some, they're teenagers. Most of the teenager, teenage groups that I see is nothing more than a dating round. Do you realize with me what you're teaching your children when you allow them to date? Just think with me. Oh, just see if it's all right. See if it's okay. If you don't like it, dump her. Dump him. Well, you find another one. Just see if it's all right. You know, just, just test it out. See if it's okay. If you don't like it, dump it. You know what you're doing? You're getting them ready for marriage so if they don't like it, they can dump them. You see, I condemn this world. I find fault with this world. I'm just trying to say it's not fit for proper use. The Bible says it's time that we lift up our voice like a trumpet and show my people the transgression of their ways. I believe it's time that we begin to condemn this world. We have churches tonight. Instead of condemning the world, they've compromised with the world. 
Halloween night, old churches will go ahead. Well, we're not going to dress up as witches and goblins. We'll dress up as Bible characters. Could I say you're still worshiping the same thing? You're still serving the same thing. Here, I'm just trying to say we need to condemn the world. I begin to think about the immodest dress. Oh, it seems like here in America, in our churches, we've walked into churches and, boy, I, I, I'm just, a, I, I'm ashamed to even say some of the things that's going on, how people come in and how they come dressed. Some people don't even have the decency to go ahead and get dressed. And then when they get dressed, they have to get it as form-fitting as possible both with men and women. Could I say, you ought, not, you ought to go ahead and when you get dressed, stand in front of the mirror, you ought to ask the Lord what I'm wearing. Does it bring honor to my body or does it bring praise to you? I was over in Rhode Island. I preached there in Rhode Island. We was tag team preaching. I was having a ball with it. And this Rhode Islander, this preacher, he got up. He was a, he was a dignified person, really dignified. And here I was tag team and preach. And I started out. Boy, I got excited. I went on. He got up and he said, turn to the book of Mark. It stood behind the pulpit the whole time. But he brought out something I never saw. He said, you need to have the three L's in dressing as a Christian. I, I started thinking, three L's, what is it? Long, loose, and lots. I believe it's time that Christians ought to begin looking like Christians. We've went ahead and we may have the dresses down low, but boy, they've been slid up and you can see just as much as if it was a miniskirt. You might as well say amen. Why preach against a miniskirt if you're going to get a dress at a slide? Go all the way up the side the same amount and show the same thing. I begin to think for just a moment. A new thing that's came out in our churches is where all these different people are showing their bellies. Could I say, that's not of God. Why don't you go ahead and get dressed for the glory of God? Go ahead and dress in a way when somebody looks at you, they see the Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting, the church at Pergamos, those girls, from what I read of tradition, were known as Christians because of their long hair and their loose-fitting clothing. Interesting. Yes, I condemn the world. I, I believe it's time now that you and I as Christians, we build an ark. Hey, listen, that little boy, that little girl, they got some potential. God has a plan for them. Are you going to build an ark? Are you going to prepare the house? Are you going to make things right for them so they can go ahead and walk the right way? Or are you going to throw the things of the devil in? You say, well, Brother Aguiar, that's not cool. I mean, we want to stay cool. Hey, it's sin, some of the things that's involved. You say, well, you just got to excuse me. That's the way I was brought up. Hey, it's sin tonight. You need to prepare an ark and save your house. One day you'll stand before the Lord. I want to stand there and have my children there with me. I want to see each one of my children in heaven with me. Later on in life, when Daddy gets maybe old enough where he can't do much, I want them to look back and say, Daddy... He might not have had everything the world had for him, but he prepared an ark and made it possible that I could live this life. Like for one day whenever, if the Lord doesn't come before I die, maybe when the grandkids come, they'll go ahead and see their granddaddy as one that stuck with the truth of the Word of God and didn't compromise. i give you a last thought I'm through tonight. I could take you tonight to a family. One time had good convictions, good standards. I watched that family go ahead and live a life pleasing to God. 
But here it is in the midst of a teenage year for one of the kids. They begin to compromise. They begin to throw in the towel. They begin to say it's not as bad. It won't hurt. It won't hurt to have this. It won't hurt to bring this in. And I watched a young teenager that I believe had great potential for the glory of God go down and today not even serving the Lord. Tonight, could I encourage you in this thought? Would you prepare an ark to save the house? Will you condemn this world? And by, by that, we become an heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Noah was warned of God tonight. I hope you didn't take the message the wrong way. I was trying to be a help, a blessing. I was trying to warn you. Tonight, I encourage you, build an ark. Let's save the house.